You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners. Welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host. Today, we're joined by Bill Gross from Los Angeles. He is in uh, probate real estate. He is a broker, and he is here to uh, share his experience with us. Bill, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining. Thanks so much. Love to have, love to be had. Bill, can you tell us your story? How'd you get into real estate? What were you doing before? What are you doing today? You know, uh, I'm, I'm older, probably the most of your listeners you are. I, I uh, had a career in electronics and computers on, uh, in 1986, and I just happened to be in between businesses and uh, went to lunch with my brother, who was a mortgage broker at the time. And he took me out to lunch, or we went to lunch together, and he said to me, uh, I had to stop in the office. Why don't you pretend like you're my partner? And I went with him. <laughs> And it was kind of fun. You know, I was used to computers and engineers and all that. And it was like helping somebody with their house and the paperwork and the money. And he seemed so important to them. And then we went to lunch again about two weeks later and it was the same thing. And that was his way of recruiting me into the business. And so I started, I left computers electronics in 1986 and uh, gave up a world of tech for real estate, which I've loved and never looked back. I've, I've done different things in real estate. I've been in mortgages and real estate sales. I've been in sales management and ownership. Um, and then for the last, um, you know, three years. So I, I should say I built up to being in management with a pretty big local company and they had some problems. I had to leave them and, um, start over again at six years old. And so I met with, um, with a great coach and kind of worked out a game plan to kind of relaunch my business in sales and production. And so about three years ago, I focused hundred percent of my energy on probate and legal real estate as a broker with the idea that I'd find a couple of flips along the way. And so uh, for the last two years, I've sold as a broker about 30 homes and or a little over 30, both years. And um, along the way, we also flipped a couple uh, houses for investment, maybe somebody doing that. So I work a lot with investors, wholesalers, uh, and other realtors um, and help them with some of the more difficult transactions and help them get closed. Awesome. Can you define probate for us? Sure. My best friend, Tani English, described it as after you die, um, you basically sue yourself and then the crumbs get given to your estate. Um, and and what, what we mean to say by that is that in most states, so it does vary by state. So I don't know how, how heavily you are in Louisiana versus others. And I, and I have to say, I don't know a lot about Louisiana probate in particular, but almost all states, if you don't have a plan in place, the state will step in and help you devise your or assets after you pass for your family. And in most states, that's not a good thing. Like you don't want the Department of Motor Vehicles to tell you <laughs> uh, how you're going to sell your house and give it to your kids. There is a process to avoid probate. Most uh, In most states, um, a, a will doesn't do that. In most states, a will is probated or executed in court, but a living trust will avoid probate. And so another term that's common more in the South is heirs real estate, where maybe somebody was given property. And there's a, there's a lot of um, social discussion about property given back after uh, slaves were freed after, after the civil war. And then these people had land that they gave to their kids and their kids, kids. But the bad news is, you know, four or five generations later, there's hundreds of heirs who have a little piece of the, of the property and the investors come in and, and force those sales. And they use the court process to do that. So that's, that's kind of the negative view of that. And there's a positive view, which is if you have a small piece of property and scattered heirs, at least you can get something for it. So um, that, 
that's but probate really defines kind of the larger picture of when the state or county gets involved in distributing your property after you've passed. And it often looks like the opposite, meaning oftentimes as an investor wholesale, you'll meet somebody who lives in a house and they'll say, well, uh, I own the house, but it's deeded in the name of my grandfather. And my parents both passed and I'm the only son and I have this property. And, and the question is, how do you deed that into their name so they can sell it? And so usually that's a probate process. Got it. So w- what differentiates probate real estate, dealing with probate real estate from normal transactions what are what are some of the things you you need to know going into these situations because i feel like as an investor um i would uh, walk up to a situation that involved a long court battle mm-hmm. and i would just probably walk away thinking it's not worth the headache but it sounds like you you dive headfirst into the headache love it first it's just fun i mean i've been in this business a while and you know i think that that non-probate investors and wholesalers and realtors complain about the long process. Those of us who are regulars and brag about the same story because that's what we live for. I think that um, I would say two things. One is as a salesperson, as a broker, we get paid based on the value we create for our customer. And so the bigger the problem, the more value I can create. And that justifies my getting paid. So while real estate brokers are constantly under pressure on their commissions, I can say to you know prospect, hey, I, I'm an expert in this field. If you want just an average agent and you think they can help you, you know, then go ahead and lower the commission and pick somebody else. But if you want me as an expert, this is the fee. And, and I'm busy. I have, you know, other clients lined up who want my, my attention and I'd love to help you. Um, so I think one way it does protect my fee or commission in that regard. And I think the other thing is just a sense of service that I, I literally just got a listing this morning from a family where, you know, mom died, left a house to, to kids. The kids live out of state. Uh, I'm sorry, dad died. But um, dad had a girlfriend and the girlfriend's squatting the property and refuses to get out. And so they need somebody to help them navigate that process. Um, and as far as eviction and, and working with attorney on the probate process. So I, I'm helping you know two women who live cross country uh, end up getting paid for an asset that there's about $300,000 of equity left. If this squire doesn't get out, they'll eat up all the equity. They won't get any money at all out of it. So I feel like I'm really helping people, you know, save money and and build their equity. Awesome. So you typically will represent on the seller side. So you'll represent on the family that's going through probate. I do both. I think what makes me unique is I do both. So I I love to list property as as an agent. That's always our focus. But one way I get listings is they help investors buy property that they're going to fix up and flip and then sell and I'll represent them on the sale side. So I'm always looking for probate opportunities for investors and wholesalers. Um, And then I also... uh, myself as a resource, I say to investors and wholesalers, if you find a deal you get stuck in that's related to probate, call me. Maybe I can help you get unstuck. And 95% of the time, I can just give them a strategy or a tool and they can on their own just figure out how to buy the property. One in 10, one in 20, they need an agent to help them through the process. And I end up getting involved and helping represent them. So I do try, I work every week. I have a my own probate uh, Zoom call I do called probateweekly.com, where I invite wholesalers, investors to come on and bring their problems. And then we try to solve them together. Awesome. So my, and, and I hope this question isn't too sensitive, but you know, when, when we as investors, sometimes we get, you know, a, a 
bad rap when it comes to buying distressed properties. I was talking to, and this is a, this is a long lead into a, a, I promise I'm getting a question that deals with you. So I buy properties. I'm a, I, I'm a bird investor. I don't flip houses. I've never sold a house. I, I just buy mm. them and rent them out and keep them. And, and I get them from wholesalers and I, I, I have a really good friend. That's a realtor. And, you know, like when I bought my personal house, I used them. And, but a lot of times I'll get these distressed properties from wholesalers and I don't use a realtor. And so my buddy who is a realtor, he's also a broker. I don't know if y'all use the same terminology mm-hmm. in, in color. California, but in mm-hmm. Louisiana, like the broker owns the agency and as mm-hmm. the realtors working for him. Mm-hmm. And he said, what's a wholesaler? And I explained what a wholesaler is about how he goes after people in distress mm-hmm. situations and gets it at a discount. And he goes, mm-hmm. well, I mean, it, aren't they taking advantage of those people? And I was like, well, because, and the reason he was asking is um, he had an agent that was going to work from him for him that also wanted to wholesale. And he wanted mm. to know if it was a conflict of interest, mm. um, if he had to uphold his fiduciary responsibility to get the person mm. the most for their money, right. but then also getting it at a discount. Right. So I explained to him, I was like, I was like, Leo, that's, that's my buddy's name. I was like, when I sold my house, you know, a couple years ago, you told me to put $20,000 into it. And then you took four months to sell it. Right. (sighs) Somebody that is going to go bankrupt to like next week. Right. You know what I mean? And they just, if you could get this foreclosure out from under them, then they don't have to file bankruptcy or have a a foreclosure. Right. Like, yes, there, but like, that's not really the best position for a realtor to come in and say, Hey, why don't you invest another $20,000 fixing up your house and then we'll put it on the market for several months. So I think there, there is a place for both. So that that's kind of a really long winded way of getting to my question for you, which is when we buy as investors probate houses, it's typically to get a good deal, um, to get something below market value. Mm. How do you represent your clients in a fiduciary way and mm. get them the most bang for their buck, um, that you're selling their, their, their estate or their property while also getting a, an investor that may be buying it a, a deal at a discount. Great question. And I, I am a broker, but also in California, you can be a broker associated with another company. So I'm a broker, but I'm affiliated with EXP Realty, which is a national real estate company. I'm sure. the, the branch manager of the Beverly Hills office. I'd say there's two different scenarios. Uh, one is as a, as an listing agent representing that distressed homeowner, just like you said, sometimes, you know, they need a cash offer and they need to know it's going to close or they're going to lose everything. And they might walk away with only $200,000, but if it goes to foreclosure, they get zero. Um, and so there are times as a, as a broker, my job is to help that seller. And, and I think the frustration that investors often have is, well, I found the seller. He has to sell, but he doesn't want to because he doesn't understand what's going to happen. And my job is to, you know, um, help that seller understand what reality looks like, what his options are. If it's to delay the foreclosure, to help him delay the foreclosure. If he can't, then to help him get the best execution he can get, which is often sell it as is, as fast as you can, cash buyer. And I have a list of cash investors that I would bring those deals to. On the flip side, I do get investors or wholesalers who call me. And in those cases, I don't represent the seller. I represent the buyer. And I've had buyer, uh, I've had investors who found deals at deep discounts, but they just didn't know how to execute the deal 
uh, all the way. And so I, I don't represent the seller. I send them a form that says, I'm not representing you, I'm representing the buyer. You, you have to pay me a commission. Uh, I'll do a lot of the legwork for you. I'll hustle around and get the vendors and meet with the inspectors and meet with a key guy and all that stuff. But I'm not representing you. There's a form that says that clearly that I'm not. And so in that case, I represent my buyer to get the best deal possible. So I would say clearly I can do you know both. What I can't do is pretend to represent the seller and then rip them off. That's the only thing I'm not allowed to do by law. I couldn't sleep with myself if I was doing that. I do think there are people who teach to do that. And I, and I, 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 it bothers me as an agent. It bothers me as a professional. It bothers me as a probate professional. So I can say I've made really good money this year and last year, and I've never had to be dishonest to a seller. The opposite. I've helped them get top dollar every time. Awesome. So what is, um, can you give us an example of, uh, some of the, the types of opportunities, you know, some, some, maybe some numbers on a, a, a deal you got for an investor through probate that was maybe something that they wouldn't have been able to find on the open market. Yeah. So I would say there's a couple, there's some that are not on the market, but the other ones I kind of specialize in is they're on the market, but they're kind of hidden. You know, the, the agent has the deal, they have to list it, but they try to kind of hide it. And I have some tricks to try to flush those deals out. So I had one where it was a condo uh, and, and, and condos usually aren't great for investors, but they're easy to comp typically because you have a project with other competing with similar floor plans and such. And I saw this condo and um, certain probates require advertising and, and oftentimes a listing in the multiple listing services is required by the court to, to confirm the sale in some cases, certain, certain probate cases. And I, and I look at those, I like those best where people try to cheat the court. And I feel like I'm kind of doing the job of the, of the, of the state. You're enforcing. What happened? What's that? And you're the enforcer. <laughs> I'm the enforcer. I'm bad news. I'm calling on that. That's, so I noticed this property that, you know, it was being sold for 400. I knew it was worth every penny of 500, no matter how bad it was. Even if it was just, even it had been, you know, just completely thrashed, it was worth 500. But they're selling for 400, but they had no pictures and they didn't put the MLS. And so I called the attorney up and said, I called the listing agent and said, I'm curious, why isn't that in the MLS? And the uh, agent said, well, the property's in too bad a condition to put in the MLS. And so my, my BS meter goes off and go, really? I said, but it's required by court procedure. And he goes, well, you can talk to the attorney if you want. So I called the attorney and I said to him the same thing. I said, you know, court procedures require this sale to be advertise. I'm not here to tell you it has to be. I'm here to tell you that if you don't get advertised in two weeks, the court's going to deny your sale and make you go through the whole process again, refile, go back to court a month or two later. I'll offer you to list the property. If your buyer that you have in a contract buys it, I won't get paid a penny. But if I have a buyer, I'm going to get paid on that buyer. And he said, fine. And, and, and I, to be honest, I, as I said to the attorney at the time, I had five listings that were way worse than that property way worse than that property. Um, it was just a lie. The listing agent was trying, was lazy and just trying to get his buyer in on the deal. And we bought it for, uh, we overbid, um, so we bought it for 2,500 or so. We had to overbid them by 5%. And literally all I did was, I, I did, I, I called an investor of mine. I said, do you want to go in on this deal? Yes. And he knows me well enough. If I call him, I'm half in with him. All we did was 1-800 got trash and Molly maids new photos and sold it for over $500,000 in like two weeks. Uh, so that's all I did. So got junk was like 
1500 bucks. Molly Maids was a couple hundred. I bought them lunch and photos were a couple hundred dollars and keys and whatever. So I'm into the whole thing for three or $4,000. And we made about uh, $80,000 about three weeks. Easiest awesome. money I've made in real estate. Awesome. Awesome. And so- I'll say this, the estate that we bought it from, we paid $20,000 more than the other guy's buyer. So they made a little bit more money as well. So I didn't rip them off. Their listing agent attempted to completely rip them off. I got them 20,000 more. Their attorney was asleep at the wheel. It wasn't my fault. I told him what he had to do and he didn't believe me. So we ended up making really good money as a result. Nice. So what, what advice do you have for investors trying to work with probate uh, brokers like yourself? You know, I don't, I do know investors who seek to lead generate in probate and make that their focus, which is great. I also, but more common is the investor comes across a deal that sounds like a probate. And I would say, find the agent in your area who's the expert in probate. There's a lot who'll mark themselves as experts because they took a class, but know nothing about the business. You really want to find the one who really knows the market, the procedures of your local county and state, uh, the state laws and the county procedures, so you can see how you can get a deal done. Find that expert. And I would say, don't shy away from the deal. In, in fact, sometimes what you might walk away from is a listing for the listing agent, but now he owes you big time. And so use that. I, f- I feel like I'm planting seeds. When I give business to other companies that I can't do, I feel like I'm planting a seed that comes back a year later as a tree as referral back to me. So I would say never give up on something it, because it's a probate. And I would say in general, um, I think there's an ethic in real estate that's backwards that we tend to look for the easier business. People will say, oh, get a probate. It's easy. The people are dead and the, fee- and the families can't wait to sell the property. It's a lot of things. It's not easy. I like it. I'm not complaining about it, but it is certainly not easy. And I think that that's a mistake that the, the easier path is doing the hard work that other people won't do. And it's, it is less competition and, uh, and you create more value. You stand out more people remember you more. So I, I usually tell investors and wholesalers, uh, to avoid the easy business, look for the business that other people don't want to do, uh, and figure out why and how you can do it more efficiently and effectively than other people have. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with that more. So if you had to start all over again, is there anything you would have done differently? Mm-hmm. You know, I think when you're young, you, you live for the moment and you think you're going to live forever. Um, you don't really plan for the future. I would definitely, whatever business I was in, realize it's a long tail game. And while we look for the short-term deals, you know, I'm, I'm every day looking for a deal right now and put an escrow, but I'm also talking to people who I know won't sell for two years. And I have to have a methodology to stay in touch with those people. So I, I capture the name, address, phone number, email, and I have a strategy in place to keep in contact with them forever. Uh, and if ever they're going to sell, they're going to come back to me or at least have a good shot at it. So I would definitely tell an investor wholesaler, it's great to focus on the short-term business. And that's how we're going to pay our bills right now. But you need to have a system that um, nurtures business for uh, at least two years down the road. You have to have some system Build a place. funnel. Build a, a funnel. Build a funnel, a funnel of some <laughs> sort. That could, be, that could be the term you use. I've managed sales teams for years and that's always, everybody's always living uh, month to month. You know, they, yep. they, they 
put everything on the table on the last day of the month. And then they're like starting from scratch on the right. first of every month. And I said, right. build a funnel. That's no way to live. Right. Right. A funnel. Another way. I think the funnels are, is a common terminology for it. Very common. I think more as a vat. You know, I think that, that, uh, I never worked in a restaurant. I don't, I hardly even cook. I don't even toast bread to be honest, but I know that there's a concept where you have extra chicken, you put it in the pot for soup or the vegetables go in a pot for soup. I think, I think of the people I talk to funnel implies there's a process and it, it has to work at a certain number and certain percentage. I feel the opposite that some people are going to take six months, some would take five years. They're in the vat and when they're ready, pull it out and serve it. And I think that, um, rather than worry about some of these funnel, uh, I, you know, when you're in a bigger business and want to be more sophisticated, great. But I think you have to start with just keep all the information and contact everybody, whether it be, I think email is a critical technology. Nowadays, I think with Facebook, you can advertise to your own database is critical and something to stay in touch with people regularly. So I think the only reason I, I don't mean to argue in funnels at all, but I do think it scares some people away because it sounds complicated. It sounds like another program. And I would say, just, just keep everybody's info and figure out a way to contact them all regularly forever. Once you do that, then start to design something a little more sophisticated. Absolutely. So real quick, I want to hop to our radio round. Just three quick questions to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. The first one is, what's your favorite book? I have a flavor of my favorite book from time to time. The one for the last two years has been 10X by Grant Cardone. Oh yeah. I love that one. I, uh, I remember when I read that book, I was, uh, I was so obnoxious in the office for the whole following week. I was, I was, uh, I was calling 10 times as many people. I was, I, 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 uh, I really love that one. What, uh, what's your favorite quote? Uh, my first coach was Zig Ziglar. And, uh, he taught me that you can have anything you want in life. If you help enough other people get what they want. Yep. Uh, a big Ziggs fan. Um, what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? I swim. I'm on an adult swim team and I swim five or six days a week at a, a Olympic size swimming pool. Awesome. Team. Cool. How can our listeners find out more about you or get in touch with you? Sure. If you want to learn about probate, I, I have a weekly call probateweekly.com. Uh, sign up there, probateweekly.com, Thursdays, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and if you want to uh, see my YouTube channel, Bill Gross EXP is my YouTube channel. I do both real estate investing. I do a, a Tuesday call on that. And I do a Thursday probate call and they, they all go into my YouTube channel. Awesome. Well, Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for reaching out. I really enjoyed learning a little bit about probate and, and getting to know you. And I definitely look forward to keeping up with you on your journey. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestwordcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.